Luego de clasificar para la máxima competición olímpica... Camila, con disciplina y mucho esfuerzo, cumplió su sueño de representar al Paraguay en los últimos Juegos Olímpicos Tokio 2020. Welcome to Flame Bears, keeping the fire burning. I'm your host, Jamie. This week, we spotlight track and field star Camila Pirela Cubas from Paraguay. Camila competes in an event called Heptathlon and holds more than a dozen gold and silver medals nationally. Today, we talk mental health and body image. This is Cami Pirelli, and I'm Camila Donatella Pirelli Cubas. I'm a track and field athlete. The event that I do is the Heptathlon, and uh, I have a nickname that is Pantera Guarani, which is the Guarani Panther. Where did that name come from? After college, I came back to Paraguay, and I kept like winning and breaking my own records, national records. So like I was on the newspapers all the time. And back then, the journalists used to call the soccer players lions because we have a lion on our flag, so they were the lions. And so my friend was like, the Wani Panther did it again. And I called him and I was like, how did you came up with that? And he's like, well, you're not a lion because you're not blonde enough to be a lion. And so it's not it's not like reflecting your, your personality. So he chose the Panther and it's stuck with me the whole time since 2013 was like, well, oh, he, he actually just put it out there. Like he just put it like the Panther, the Wani Panther did it again. And I called him and I was like, how did you came up with that? And he's like, well, you're not a lion because you're not blonde enough to be a lion. And so it's not, it's not like reflecting your, your personality. So he chose the Panther and it's stuck with me the whole time since 2013. I love that so much. So, Pantera, or Panther, what is your first memory running? My first memory is going with my mom. Uh, she used to be an athlete. She used to be, she used to do the pentathlon and a discus thrower. So, I lived, I used to live in a small town four hours away from the capital city where I live now. And everything was closed since it was a little town. Uh, we have a track there. I think it's called Gravel, like the little stone kind of track so she would just take me there like I remember it was it was cool because like we lived next to the river like one of the biggest rivers that we have so the wind was blowing like crazy and she was like jogging and trying to you know throw the discus and I was just there like seeing her running and I was trying to run I can't remember how old I was but it was cool you know it was just big stadium to me but I never Like, I never really thought about being an athlete, track athlete, because I was in love with swimming for a long time. Who knew I was better at track and field than swimming? Whoa, so why did you switch? Because that's massive. Well, one of the main things is that I wasn't old enough to move out. Like, coming to the capital city, I was like, when I was really good in swimming, I was like 14, 13. Our swimming pool was just like a summer swimming pool. So they would close in March. So after that, I was just trying to find something else until, you know, they opened the pool again. 
One year, I actually trained really hard, and I, I I used to come to the city like every weekend to train and you know do whatever I could back home, um, back in my town. And then summer started, and I, I I trained really well, and I went to the South American Championship, and I ended up being like 11th or something. But I sacrificed, but but still, like I sacrificed so much, and I was like, what? Like I didn't. Like I improved my time, but it wasn't enough in comparison to what I sacrificed. So my mom was like, well, you should give it a try to track to track and field. And that's when I started. Well, all of that experience swimming and running was actually perfect to prepare her for her star career competing in heptathlon. But what is that, you might ask? It's a track and field event for women in which each competitor takes part in the same seven events. 100-meter hurdles, high jump, shot put, 200-meter dash, long jump, javelin, and 800-meter run. As you probably know, in men's track and field, the decathlon is made up of 10 events. Well, the women's version has just seven events, making it a heptathlon. The events are 100 meter hurdles, high jump, shot put 200 is the first day, and the next day is long jump, javelin, and 800. And that concludes the heptathlon. Camila, I'd be lucky if I could do at least one of those events, but seven? What are you most proud of? You do so much. Well, I, I actually got hurt in 2017 in May. I tore my ACL three weeks before a South American Championships that was going to be here in my country. It was devastating because it was here and I wanted to be part of it. But anyway, I was just like, I will have another opportunity. So I came back and in 2018, I, I got a call because we have, it, it's called scholarships, but it's kind of the government gives you money. So you survive with money, whatever. But it's called becas, scholarship. So. They called me January 2018, basically saying that I should, I have to win a medal in the South American Games, otherwise I'm gonna lose the beca, the, the, the scholarship. So, but they didn't say that bad, but they basically say that. So I was like, okay, no problem. Yeah. So I was in January. I was, I was coming back from my my hometown because I always go there holidays, and I got into an accident, car accident. Yeah, so like I was getting ready to come back to the track because of the, you know, the surgery and all. It was like six months and then I got hurt. I broke my hand, but that's all just like a little bubble here. So I had to wait 15 more days, which wasn't that bad, but I learned to be patient. So I went to this meet in June 2018 and I did it. I, I scratched and I, I grabbed that bronze medal. I didn't even know how I did it. Like, I just put all my my trust on my coach. He's like, just trust me. Don't worry. And he, he did a pretty good job. It all came to the last event, which is the 800. Now to the penultimate event on the track. On another atmospheric evening, it's the final of the women's 800 meters. And what a race in prospect. It's one of my strongest events, but since it was in Bolivia, and it was altitude, we didn't know what to expect. I died, like, I I remember, I, I spent like 30 minutes with the oxygen in my, you know, my mouth and stuff. But yeah, I got the bronze medal. 
So I think that's the most I feel more proud of because it was hard. It was a really long year. And after that, I was just like, oh my gosh, all the load on my shoulders. And after that, I think I became a different athlete. Like I, I don't have anything to prove. Incredible. Camila had an upbringing full of sports. Her dad was a basketball player and her mom was a former National University champ in pentathlon. Pante, what was life like growing up for you? I uh, was born here in the city, in the capital city, in Asuncion. But I lived until I was 16 years old in my hometown. But I call it my hometown, Ayolas. My dad passed away when I was five. I have a brother who is two years older. So, but he looks younger because he is like a baby. <laughs> I mean, he's just not independent. I mean, right now he is, but he wasn't. Like, you know, he got married and everything, but is different. We're different. But um, I was always more independent. I think because, you know, I didn't have a dad, so I didn't have, you know, anybody to be dependent with. My mom was always, you know, taking care of my brother. And But anyway, so just the two of us in Ayolas, and my mom was working from 7 a.m. till 4 or 5 p.m. She would just come home at noon to have lunch and have a siesta, a nap, and then go back. But when I was six years old, before I got into first grade she was like come here i'm gonna talk to you and she said you're gonna start a bilingual school you're gonna learn english at the same time as you know your regular classes because when you grow up you're gonna go and do what i couldn't and you're gonna go have a scholarship in the u.s i remember i was looking at my my window and i had the stickers from disneyland because my grandmother she sent that, that to us, and I was like, oh, what's that? What does it mean? Blah, 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 blah. And she said, you're going to go to the States. When you get older, you're going to be really good. I don't know how she knew that I was going to be an athlete like that, because my brother, he, it looked like he was going to be, but he's, he wasn't as disciplined as I was. So I didn't know how she knew. So that's when I wonder myself, like, I wonder, does an athlete is born or is, like, raised? It was a small town, so it was easy. I was in school from 7 to 3, and then from 3 to 4, I will go and study English again, or what I need, or another thing. And then at the end of the afternoon, I will just go and do uh, some sports. Like, Monday, Wednesday was handball, and Tuesdays and Thursdays were basketball, and the weekends were figure skating. And I love that. Like, I, I grew up doing more than one thing at a time, and when, when I decided, okay, finally, I'm going to stop doing more sports and I will just do focus on one. And I decided to do the most combined event of all, which is seven. So it was a call. Like I tried and I liked it. You are such a well-rounded athlete. What do you wish you knew when you were younger? Just to not get too serious. Like... Because when I get sad or when I get disappointed in myself, I take it too seriously. And it's really bad. Like, I will either don't eat or eat too much. This time, like right now, I'm going through something. And I, I didn't stop eating, but I didn't eat as much as I used to. I, I ate just right and I lost three kilos, which is good. 
I mean, I, I just didn't know it was happening. I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna eat because I have to eat. You know, I, I didn't feel like, but I, I'm better now. But back then when I was younger, when I was like 16, 17, 18, I would just get so frustrated and I would just get so mad and I would just go and do everything, like forcing everything. So I, w I wish I knew that everything is going to be fine and that everything is okay if you take a one or two days off. I do that now. I'm 33 years old and after every heptathlon, I just take two weeks of doing absolutely nothing and nothing happens. Like after that, I come back stronger. Even in 2013, I remember I, I crashed into the first hurdle in the heptathlon. I still managed to finish the race and, you know, I got a silver medal, but it was my event, you know, I'm the hurdler in between all the South Americans, like all the South American heptathlons are good, but I'm like the best hurdler. What does being a woman athlete mean to you? I mean, I feel like I'm a Pioneer, I think is the word, pionera, the one of the first ones. <laughs> because when I was growing up, I mean, I had my mom, but we never had this athlete who went to the States and came back and broke all the records and, you know, was better than before. Until now, like, I'm still writing, like, the sports history of my country because I'm 33 years old. And that's like, what? Like... <laughs> How do you do it? I don't even know. Like, I just, I will just keep going until I feel like my body can't do it anymore. And I feel like my body is stronger than ever. So I think it's kind of, uh, I don't, I won't say pressure, but it's a load. I know my name, like what am I, what am I doing is going to ride the path. It's going to be the path for the other little panthers that are out there. And so, like, I take it seriously. Like, I know that I'm a role model, so I try to be... I mean, I, I, I will say I'm trying to be positive all the time, but, you know, that's not real. So when I'm down or when something, when something happened, I you just tell them, and they, they like that because it's, it's being authentic. And I think that's the main thing. I mean, besides being a pioneer and besides being, you know, a role model, you're authentic. I think that's the, that's the real deal. You know how you have your athletic advisor or your uh, career advisor. So I want to be like the sports advisor for people. So their parents, they don't know what to do. And they will ask me kind of like that. Kind of being what my mom was to me. You know, she guided me since I was little. So I try to do that through social media. It's easier. And I actually have moms that ask me like, oh, look, I'm this. My little girl wants to be like you. She's like doing like this all the time. She's like, I want to have your muscles. And she's like four or five years old. I was embarrassed of my muscles. I mean, I liked them, but we're talking about the 2000s, which it wasn't that common in my yeah. country. I was embarrassed and I have this, you know, I, I have my obliques really, really like worn, mm -hmm. but I didn't want to show it because it looked like I was fat because it looked like, you know, like a little up there and my mom was like yeah I mean she's like oh you work so hard for that you're not showing it so it's just how everything changed being an elite woman athlete these days can be a loaded topic for some to help break down gender stereotypes and discuss body confidence I spoke with Rio Otara 
the global program manager of World Association of Girl Guides and Girl Scouts, an organization known to elevate women's power and strength, which has a program specifically on body image. When we speak of gender, it's about um, you know society's expectations on how we should look like, how we should behave, how do we deal with the other gender as well. And that includes appearance, right? What are the expectations for women in terms of appearance? What are the expectations for men and so on? And women in particular, we have been historically valued because of our looks, right? We are constantly told to to achieve this impossible perfect look we call the society's beauty standards. We are constantly told that if we want to be valued, if we want to be happy, if we want to be successful, we need to look a certain way. You know, that comes from this unrealistic beauty standards that are always pressuring us, especially women, that we need to achieve it. So, and usually the list of these beauty standards is longer for women than men. <laughs> this is really, really harmful, and we know it. Um, and it can have a really long-term you know, negative impact to young people's health and well-being, especially for women and girls. So I think it's really closely related to gender as well and the expectations that society has for women, including how we should be you know, looking at, I mean, how our appearance and so on. Rio, tell me more about the program Free Being and how it can help women truly achieve body confidence. And frankly, how early is too early to start working on this? In Paraguay, our member organization, the WAGS member organization, is the Asociación Guía Scouts del Paraguay. And they have been implementing Free Being Me since 2015 and has since achieved, as I've said, more than 1,500 girls, meaning they have reached girls in their communities through Free Being Me activities. And how we deliver this is that we train our member organizations to be facilitators and leaders in Free Being Me and how to be a good role model on body confidence. And these uh, peer educators, facilitators, and leaders then roll out this training to their young girls where they go through that learning journey on body positivity and take action eventually to address issues in relation to body confidence and appearance-related anxieties and discrimination that girls face in their community. So how that's how the program is being delivered. And Paraguay Scouts Association is quite a small association but they have really good facilitators very strong members who are able to develop young leaders as well who are body confident and are taking action to address issues faced by young people in this area so you can find really good stories about paraguay and their activities in our website the free being me we have a page there on stories from the ground where our member organizations are sharing lessons learned, insights, experiences, and good practices in implementing Me and how it has impacted the lives of uh, their young members in their countries. What are your hopes for the future? I want to help people. Like, I, like I, I, I tell my mom, well, she she was like, well, 
like when I was kind of thinking about retirement, she's like, well, you should start doing something else to see what's your focus. Because I'm a biologist, but I don't know. Like, I feel like it's going to be a waste of my experience if I go to another field that is not sports. She's like, well, you should just try. Now that there was a time, I think in 2019, that I was kind of confused. And you, you should try something else. And so I started teaching English. I didn't know. I never tried. I never taught anything. So, and at the end of the year, a lot of people were like, you're the best teacher, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't even know how to do it. Like, and I give motivational speeches to kids, to adults. Like, I don't, like, I just keep talking and people listen. So I told my mom, I don't know. I, I have to do something with this because people listen to me. So I don't want to get into politics, but I would love to be part of the sports in my country to grow more, especially to build, you know, start small. <laughs> start with track and field, females, and then just grow from there. I'm not sure if it's going to be, you know, I can just go to the U.S. and work from there. Like, I'm thinking also, like, go to the States, to these big universities and try to be like a volunteer coaching and then, you know, come back with them. I don't know yet. I mean, I don't even know how one I'm going to retire. So, but that's kind of the thing. Like, I want, I want to use my talent as a speaker, you know, help people. I think you'd be incredible at that. And it goes hand in hand with your Little Panthers project where you'll inspire little girls looking to become just like you. Rio, why is it important to tell the world about Camila? I think Camila is really a good model for young people. She's paving a way for a world that highlights, you know, strengths and capacities, talents, abilities, rather than just the appearance, because we are not made up of just our appearance, right? So I could say that Keep inspiring girls, Camila. <laughs> Keep inspiring girls and young women to be the best with what they do and go beyond what society tells them as their limits. So I think this is a very empowering message for young people, especially girls, what she's doing to really dismantle, you know, all these beauty standards and dismantle gender expectations as well on what women should be and can be. That's so beautiful. So, Camila, we like to end each episode with this question. What is the one action you would like our community members or listeners around the world after hearing your episode? So everyone that is in love with something that, like, you know, they do something that they really love. It could be, you know, music, art, I don't know, sports. Just don't give up. Just think about why you started. I know it's part of a saying that we see everywhere but you know trying to remember why you started and why it made you happy and just think of god like ask god to help you every time i go to a meet i just tell him it's gonna be your will you know it's gonna be whatever you want me to do i i will understand that you wanted me to go through this so i trust him in every event and i think people should do that too Thanks for tuning into Flame Bears, keeping the fire burning. For more behind the scenes coverage, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn by searching for Flame Bears. Thank you to my amazing teammates, 
Marissa Potter, Lizzie Michael, Maruganda Singh, and Sakshi Singh. Thank you to Dino Catano and Emma Minto for your ongoing support.